Uh, we continue this series that is about gospel and how the gospel impacts your life. And today we are going to be talking a little bit about marriage. Now, if you're married, this is obviously clearly impactful for you. But also, like, this is really a sermon about how God has designed relationships to work. Um, whether you're single or, or it's wherever it is, it's understanding how God designed us to work together as people. So let's look to God's word. This is Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, let's look here at God's word. Ephesians chapter 5. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we're grateful for you. Father, thank you for your mercy and grace in each one of our lives. Father, I ask that you'd soften our hearts. Help us to experience the beauty of your grace, Lord, with one another. Now, Father, we know what it is to be yours. Now, today, we're able to call ourselves sons and daughters of yours. And Father, I pray that beautiful prayer that's in 1 Corinthians that says, uh, whether we eat or whether we drink or whatsoever we do, do all to your glory. And today I pray that what's said would be glorifying to you. Grateful for you and thank you for what you've done. And we ask these things in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. So I was looking at these verses, and um, worth. thank you very much for giving me this passage, all right? Um, but I ran, I, I was working through with, with my wife, Morelli, um, a little bit about this week. And, um, and as I was going through it, I asked her, like, hey, could you go through my sermon and, like, cut out any part that is offensive, is any way could be misconstrued or would be unpopular? And so she said she would do that. So... Today, in conclusion, I would like to thank each and every one of you for coming. And um, we, I mean, go Dolphins, right? And uh, I hope lunch is amazing. All right, where's Max? Or, no, Danny today, right? Okay, so um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. But 
We look at these verses today, and let's be honest, these are really complicated verses. They're tough. They really butt up against, I believe, what culturally um, we feel, uh, what we've been taught, what we've um, been told, this is what things should be. And we're also butted up against a lot of difficult stories and experiences that we've had as people. Uh, for instance, it's hard to look at marriage and maybe think of the marriage that your parents had or uh, a struggle that you've gone through in a marriage. And you, we've seen plenty of, of, of bad examples. And today what I want us to do is sort of set aside our beliefs and our thoughts and maybe the baggage that we come in with Set those things aside, and let's look at what God says about marriage. Let's look at what, what he says, and let's dig deeply into it. Let's ask ourselves really important questions, because ultimately today, I just point us to it. I, I do my best, but I'm a flawed person. I'm a broken person. I have weaknesses and struggles, and I've got to ask for forgiveness repeatedly in the same day. This is a hard thing, but this isn't mine. This isn't me that wrote this. And it's not, it's not mine. It's not yours. This is what God has given to us. And I think as believers, what we are in pursuit of is not what our culture says or not what we think or we, we, we don't put all of our stuff and say, this is what this says. It's incumbent upon us as believers to say, God, what are you trying to teach us? Where are you directing me? Letting God's spirit work through us as people. And I know that these verses can be culturally incendiary. They're, they're difficult to go through. I want us to take a little break today. Let's look at it. Let's be honest to what the text is, and let's work through this. I mean, I think one of the most special things is when you see a marriage that you really see God's grace in it. You see two people, for sure nowhere near perfect, but they're committed and they're working through things. I think this is the idea of like this beautiful fragrance. You know how it is when you're in your house and you light a candle and all of a sudden the whole space changes because that candle and, and the scent that it is, you know, permeates throughout a whole room. I think that's very much like what a marriage that's built on love and grace, that's built on the gospel, can and will be when two people are committed to it. At the same time, I know that this is very complicated because every single time you get into a relationship that is this intimate and this deep, it's usually ripe for incredible amounts of hurt and pain because you give of yourself and maybe that other person doesn't feel or reciprocate those things back to you. Or there are times in a, in a, in a life, in a marriage, in a relationship where things go bad. They get really difficult. And sometimes it skews our image of what this is and what marriage can be. We look back all the way into Genesis, and marriage is one of those, the earliest institutions that God sets up. There's a man and there's a woman, and he brings them together, and they complement each other, and they work together. And the goal is that the two of them would have the same goal of being in God's presence and loving and enjoying him. But then sin comes in, and you see the impact on them as people. And so, essentially, we're in a battle together today. We're in battles of relationships where somebody's difficult and struggle with their brokenness, whether they realize it or not, 
has a huge impact on the relationship. And what I want us to do is I want us to look deeply at this passage. But I would be amiss if I did not also say how this passage has been used for some really bad things. This passage, people have taken out and used it as an abuse, a, a, a disgusting display of their own depravity as they took it out and proof texted it and basically forced on another person their desires, their selfishness, and in sense exploited and used someone. A little while ago, my, my oldest son, Stephen, and I got into this conversation about whether the Bible condones slavery. Someone had brought that up. And so he and I started to talk about it. And in my research over that topic, I found a sermon that was written by a guy named John Jenkins. He was a, a judge at University of Pennsylvania. Um, he was, did apparently sermons from uh, occasionally and things like that. And on the eve of the Civil War, this guy, John Jenkins, actually wrote a sermon that said why slavery was biblically permissible. It was disgusting. It was wrong. He had taken a line out of Scripture and become an, an willfully ignorant of everything else that it said and used that to his own selfish devices and depravity and used that against other people. There is a temptation that we all have to pull Scripture out to make it say what we want it to say. That's not fair to the text. That's not fair. It's not honest. And just as wrong as Jenkins was about pulling that text out and, 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 and being involved in an abomination like slavery and, and, and trying to make it say that God had said that was okay, these verses can be misused as well. And so I want us to be mindful of that, that let's, when we look at these kind of passages, to be honest and open about where God's leading is not with what we want it to say or what we believe um, that maybe somebody else that we want to believe says it says, but to really be honest to what it actually is written for us. So I look at these passages today, and that's the longest introduction ever to a sermon, all right? But I promise I'll get through it relatively quickly, all right? But I want you to see this first. Marriage is, if you look at these verses, the first verse, which is verse 21, is hugely important to this conversation today. I want to look at it just for a second, if Gabby will put it up. It says this, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Here's a word, submit. This is what we're supposed to do to each other. Now, here, if the word is just submit or subject, what that would mean is that one person is in authority over the other person. That's the way it would be looked at. But here's a modifier in verse 21 at the same time. It says submit to one another. Yesterday, I was leaving breakfast uh, here in the Gables, and I got pulled over by a police car. And at first, obviously, I assumed he just wanted to get past me, but no, not this guy. All right? But he pulls me over, and I'm like, oh, no, I don't know what I do. And it was a taillight out. When he, comes up to the, when he comes up to the window, all right, and we're looking at each other, I am subject to him, okay? He's not subject to me. That's not what this verse is talking about. This is, this is talking about subject to one another means two people are together. They're working towards the exact same goal or should be. Remember, what I go over today is what marriage should be, what it could be, and what it is if we see what God has done for us. See, right away, marriage is the beauty of it, is that there is mutual submission. 
There are two people that are servants to each other. Here it says, wives, submit to your husbands. To men, it says, uh, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Let me tell you something. Both of those things are about submitting to each other. Right? Christ submits himself for the church. He sacrifices himself. That is the ultimate submission, that he gives his own life for the church. That's the model that we should be following. We are servants of each other. We're on the same mission, and we have the same goal. So today I want us to look at this passage together. All right? My first point is this that we, in a gospel marriage, is focused on the same goal of imitating and adopting who Christ is and what he did. And we see this really coming out of here. And Paul, so many ways, connects back to this. Every time a statement of, is given, do this, right behind it, it says, just like Christ did. Essentially, the text is telling you, take on Jesus, be like him, let him work through you, and that's how a marriage can work. That's how you can have life in a relationship. That's how you can have health. That's how you can have a future, is by taking in what he did, and then that being, a, you being a conduit of that same grace to someone else. You think about it just for a moment. You've got to really connect with what the gospel is and what it did for us. Here we are as strangers, far from God, all right, because of our brokenness. And we can't fix it. We can't change it. We can't be good enough. We can't have our good works outweigh our bad ones and, and say, look, I, I'm good enough now, right? T t accept me. It's not that way at all in the gospel. In fact, the gospel is we're so distant. We're such a far away stranger from another land in a sense. And what does Jesus do? He comes to earth completely by choice, completely out of a, a, submission, a submission to God's will, the Father, and he goes and he gives his life for us. And that's what allows us to have a relationship. And I would say this, any healthy marriage has to have the foundation of God working through people in such a way that their eyes are opened that they have the freedom of extending God's grace and forgiveness just as they have been given that. That is where health and life come from. If you look at Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and the resurrection, and you think for just a moment how life-giving that is. I mean, we're here today because of what he's done. As believers, we hold on to the truth that he gave his life for us and that's what could give us a relationship with God. And when you start to think in those terms about how life was given through him, you see what a healthy relationship can give. It can bring life. It can bring security. It can bring hope. And it can bring a future. And you start to look at these verses and see what Christ has done. And then you see how it's woven like a tapestry together with what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to follow. So when you think about that in connection to these verses, you see how any type of abuse, of ownership, of, of uh, any type of physical, emotional, sexual, any of those kinds of abuses, there's no room for it here at all. There's absolutely no room. Because God is calling you not to go self-seeking, 
not to be about yourself, but it's asking you to have eyes for the other person, just as he has had eyes for you and provided. See, the beauty of this is the relationship that you have with Christ is the fuel for the relationships that you have. It's the freedom to have a relationship that's built on something so much more, a foundation of health and life. My second thing here is I want you to see how marriage is also a mirror of the gospel. I think marriage does some interesting things, and relationships in general do this as well, but the closer you are in a relationship with somebody, the more obvious your selfishness becomes. Okay? Um, I, I think of that not only in my marriage and parenting, but every other relationship I've ever had, right? Okay? All right? It becomes obvious where we struggle. It becomes obvious because the other person is there, and they're experiencing this too, and they have their mind and opinion, and all of a sudden you see those areas that you struggle in so significantly. And I love the way that marriage takes two people, all right, from very different backgrounds and brings them together, and all of a sudden these two strangers are trying to figure out how do we live together? How do we do this? All right, my wife, um, she came from Cuba. I came from South Carolina, all right? I mean, you, it's pretty different. It's pretty different. We see things, uh, we, we definitely see things differently. But one of the beautiful things and the reasons I enjoy so much being married to Morelli is my eyes have been opened. There are a ton of blind spots I have in my life. There are times of huge struggle that she was there alongside of me to go through. Times where I couldn't even give much of a percent at all, but she was there. And she loved me, and she served me, and she was kind, and she was understanding, but she also was honest. And she gave me that healthy confrontation that doesn't let you stay in a, in a rut, but that encourages you to move forward, that encourages you because you know you're loved, you know you're appreciated, you know she has your inter my interest at heart. I want that for us. I want for us as a community to have that connection of honesty, where it's like 1 Corinthians tells us about love. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't keep a, a long register of debts. It's a place of forgiveness. It's kind. It's humble. That's the kind of love we crave as people. And we need to go back to the cross as a reminder, as, a, as our motivation is, this is the way you were treated at the cross. May we have freedom in our hearts to share that same grace that we have experienced. But the gospel in such a way allows marriage to be a mirror, a mirror of who we are, but also it's a reflection of what the gospel can do when you have two people committed, two people who are under mutual service and love for each other are encouraging, that they come alongside of each other. And they're like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick this out. I'm gonna work through this. There's a commitment. The nuclear option of we're over, you know what? There's a focus on how do we love, how do we care for each other. And I'm under no guise to believe that there aren't things that cause marriages to break up. There are. There are really difficult circumstances that come into our lives, and with broken hearts it happens. But I want you to know this, that God provides his grace to us, even in those times. And that's where the community is so important as we come alongside of each other in the worst and most difficult parts of life. 
that we're there to walk with each other, that we're there to live out this same grace that's being described in, these passage, in this passage. See, there's something amazing about being a believer is that your story is not finished, that God is at work in each one of us. And you know what? Sometimes it takes a softness in our hearts to forgive. And that doesn't mean putting ourselves back into an abusive set of circumstances where, um, where God does not call us, I do not believe in any way, to be in that place of abuse of where his image is being destroyed. Okay? I don't believe that. What I believe is this, that God gives us the beauty of this picture, of this model of what marriage should be, so we ultimately start a little taste into what it says at the bottom, which is this is a mystery. It's a mystery how Christ loves his church the way that he does. And this is how he showed us here on earth that we have a little touch, a little way of seeing that through what a marriage, what a relationship can be. Today I want us to also see, as I kind of head through this, of what a marriage is not. I think it's important for us to see what a marriage is not. First off, marriage really is not this place of being an end-all. Marriage is good, and it's given by God for a man and a woman to be together and, and love each other the way Christ loved. There's, there's a beauty in the two strangers coming together and God doing a work in their heart, being led by God's Spirit. But a marriage is not the end-all. And I think sometimes there's a temptation in us to want to venerate or almost make our marriages like our number one thing. And something good, we turn into being something to be the greatest of things. And God never designed that. And let me tell you, this is very specific of why he didn't design that. Because God didn't put it on a person to be in that position. It's not fair for them to have all those kind of expectations. It's also not fair for us to do that. We are broken people, and we work together, but the primary goal for any healthy relationship, gospel-driven marriage, is having the same goal, which is knowing where we came from, knowing what has been done in our life, and glorifying and honoring God for what he's done. That's the goal, and the two people are working towards that goal together. They're going through life working together, and imagine this. When you have two people that are serving and loving each other that way, there can be something huge in the future. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that all your needs get met. No. What it means is you are a work in progress as a couple. And God is the one who is dealing and helping us along this route. If you look back to the verses that precede this, verses 18, 19, and 20 in Ephesians 5, you see something really interesting come out. There's the picture of the Father and of the Son and the Spirit in those verses. And I want to say this, the fuel to any relationship is God working in you and through you. That's where it starts. And it's like in those verses Paul takes and says, the whole Trinity see, because the Trinity is in a relationship, the three persons, equally God, are in relationship. And we are in relationship too. And the complications of relationship, we ha cannot be a solo person going through that. It takes deep, deep interaction from who God is and what he does in our life. But marriage is not a place 
where we look at and we say this, I have these needs, you're going to meet my needs. And we unfairly and unjustly put our issues on the other person and then essentially setting them up for failure. It can't also be a situation in a healthy marriage where you're looking like, I'm going to fix that person. I'm going I'm I'm to change them. I'm going I'm to get what I want out of them. It doesn't work either because it's God that transforms and works in a heart. And it's God that does the leading for us. It's God that does the changing. And sometimes I think culturally and in our own minds, when we get married, we, we hope that there's going to be something that's amazing, and that's a good thing to hope for. But sometimes when we take a selfish perspective, which is, how do I get what I need out of you? You're setting yourself up for failure. Um, I do most of the weddings here at church. I like to do them. I think they're really fun. Um, I love to see people happy. One of my favorite things is to, see, to like be next to a groom, okay, because you get to be in the middle, all right? And sometimes what I do is everybody's looking at the bride. I always look at the groom, okay? Now, sometimes there's crying, which I'm always going to take as being a positive, all right? But He's right there, and I love to see the smile and joy, like, as she starts to walk down. And I'm like, oh, if you could capture that in a week, all right? If you could keep that going, you know? It's complicated sometimes to be married, but there's that point, too, where sometimes people like to write their own vows. And I've heard some really great vows, and some of you I've married, they were great. Sometimes you hear ones that you're just like, that is not going to be able to happen, all right? Like... Uh, breakfast every, uh, you know, on the week. <laughs> all right, good. All right. And, but we have all of these expectations built up. And we come and realize the weight of your expectations, nobody's going to ever be able to do. All right. And just to give you a little bit of peace over this, unrealistic expectations is a way to, it's sort of like a premeditated disappointment. Okay. And sometimes we have to be honest with, these are the things I'm asking out of the other person that are not fair to ask, all right? Because God ultimately is the one who supplies for our needs. Um, that's what marriage is not, but I kind of want to end with this. What marriage is and what it can be. It can be a sweet fragrance where two people care so much about each other. And through the beauty of service and of love and of grace to each other, they work through struggles. They work through difficulties. They, they're willing to ask for forgiveness, and they're willing to forgive. They're willing to go through life together, committed to each other, because God has been so committed to them. And today I want to encourage you with this. Every single one of you have a story, and, and it's so hard to do this kind of preaching over something because I know that stories are complicated and they're difficult. And my heart goes out because I know that there are struggles, and, and it's hard for me to make a blanket huge statement and, and everybody connect with it. That's why I want to direct us back to what God says. Let God be your lead. May God give you eyes to see. Now, I saw a beautiful thing recently I, I, as I was, like, looking up, like, wedding stories and things like that, and I was trying to find a good, uh, like, story to tell. I found this thing in ABC News where it followed five couples, 
And these couples were like, they were in, all right, on marriage. And these were five couples. Everybody, I think, was married more than 55 years, okay? And so they asked them a litany of questions and asked them, like, what made it successful? What made it happen? And some of them were kind of funny, you know? Like, I, I was, like, hoping for some good pointers, you know? Like, um, yeah, I'll, get, I'll, I'll institute that one in. But as I was going through it, there was one couple, and I think they were had been married for 60-some years, and they asked, like, what's the secret to your marriage? And he said this. Um, nice, nice guy. Like, you could tell he's funny. Um, they asked him that question, and he said this. Um, I realize whenever I see her start to get upset, I just shut down. I don't say anything. And that's the way, because if there aren't two people to fight, um, there's not going to be a fight. And I thought, wow, that, that's not really overly good advice. Um, Sure, you're not going to fight. That's a great, you know, I guess that's, if that's your goal, that you, you got it. But the thing is, is that essentially that, that relationship can't grow. And I think it's awesome how many years it was. But one of the other couples really stood out to me. It's a couple, and they were married 71 years, I think was what it was. I mean, it was a really, really long time. And as I was reading their story, as it, as it was recorded there, and they asked what the secret was, this couple said, we do our very best never to go to bed angry at each other. And he said this, I realized that I would go to bars, and when I would go to bars, one day it hit me how bad this was for her. Now, it was bad for him too, and he says that later, but he says it was, it was bad for her, and I stopped going because I knew it was bad. It was bad for us. And then she says, I was, I was with a group of people that were always negative, always negative, and, and, I, and I brought that negativity into our marriage. And she said, you know what, I realized I, I had to stop hanging around with them because it's hurting us. And all of a sudden, you kind of start seeing what I believe this passage is aiming us at, is we care so much about the other person. We're there to serve. We're there to have our eyes open. We're there to love. We're there to listen. We're there to be there for each other. And this couple did such a great job. And as it worked through, they said, yes, we've had huge problems, but we had God's grace to get us through. And I would say this. Look back at verse 21 and let it be the heart of the way we leave today. May every relationship we have go through this test. Look what verse 21 says. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Reverence is exalting. It's revelation. It's knowing that God cares about you. It's going through that story once again of how you've been redeemed and called a son or daughter of his. It's going through that and knowing that you submit, not of your own will, but you're knowing that it comes from God and God's spirit working in your life. And today I hope you go away from this, not burdened by, by this sermon or not like feeling like desperate or any of those things, but feeling the hope that comes through grace. And every single one of us have made mistakes. And people that, that you've grown up around, they've made mistakes as well. Our hope isn't putting more emphasis onto ourselves. Our hope isn't finding all of this in us. I believe our hope is found in the grace of Jesus Christ his person and work, and realizing this, we're recipients of God's grace. We have hope, and we have been forgiven people, and we serve out of that, not out of ourselves. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for loving us and thank you for your mercy and grace in each one of our lives. Father, as we sing, as we lift up our voices, I pray today that, that people don't feel like burdened, but they feel the freedom. But Father, wherever has happened in the past is just that. It is the past. But the freedom to go forward knowing that you love them and you care for them. And Father, we have the freedom to ask for forgiveness. We also have the freedom to forgive. And Father, thank you for the way you've worked in each one of us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. And we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. If you'd stand with us for our last song. 